0: Here with Phil Honeywood, convener of the National Council for International Education, and we're at the conference of the ACE-TIE exhibition. Mr. Honeywood, could you tell me how important is international education to Australia?
1: International education, Philip, is Australia's fourth largest industry after coal, iron ore, and now LNG. So we like to think that our industry actually provides a real value add compared to just taking stuff out of the ground and putting on boats and sending it overseas. Mm. Um, Crucially, it's also an amazing soft power Mm. industry. So it's not just about making money out of international students and the parents investing heavily in their children's future by coming to Australia. Mm. It's also very much about ensuring that Australia is better understood by young people from many different countries coming here If they like Australia, they go back and they're ambassadors for our country for the rest of their lives. Mm. And uh, I think that's a really important uh, attribute, quite apart from being a money-making industry.
0: Mm. Could you take me through some of your previous work when you were in government in relation to education? Sure.
1: The state of Victoria has got the most wonderful ability to absorb and to look after international young people. Mm. That's because we're the most culturally diverse state in the country. Mm. Um, we had, obviously, post-World War II, incredible numbers of Italian, Greek, many other European nationalities came, escaping war-torn Europe to Melbourne, where we had the factories and the jobs available to them. But also, we've got a very strong Asian diaspora now as well. Mm. So, when international students come to Australia, they feel much more welcome because it's a culturally diverse community. And my job as multicultural affairs minister in the previous Jeff Kennett government was really to try and ensure that those migrant communities felt that they were welcome, felt that uh, politicians would listen to their particular um, community issues and felt that they could... part of the wider community Mm -hmm. in this new country that adopted them so that portfolio was really important for me in understanding better Mm -hmm. um, the needs and aspirations of new migrants when they come to australia Mm -hmm. and particularly in melbourne and victoria and then happily i also had higher education and training so i was responsible for our eight universities in victoria Mm -hmm. in terms of regulations and legislation and for apprenticeships in the tafe system um, so, yeah, it's a wonderful when I decided to retire from politics in 2006, mm. you put multicultural affairs and education together yeah. and you've got international education.
0: Oh, mm. wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I'm a graduate of Swinburne University. I did my Master's in Entrepreneurship and Innovation okay. there. Okay. And I've been seeing that. That was about, I think, five years ago. I finished that now. And I've been seeing the rationalisation of offerings in universities and basically mm. their, their core contracts, basically, as we move to MOOCs massively online. Sure courses and things like that, um, as the education offerings of universities sort of condense to be more efficient from a from a business perspective, how does that contrast against the international students coming through? Like, Where, where do you see as the future challenges?
1: The overwhelming majority of international students who come from China, in particular, are doing business and commerce-related courses. Hmm. What we shouldn't overlook, though, Philip, is that in their own country they are being taught primarily in a rote learning Um, pedagogy. Mm. Um, And in Australia, for many, many years, our teaching and learning is focused on creative thinking, critical thinking, Mm. team-based learning, project-based learning. Mm. And so what they get when they come to Australia, hopefully, is a different way of being taught, Mm. which is also in accord with what employers are saying they want out of young graduates. Mm. Increasing numbers of employees right around the world, not just in Australia, are saying that they actually want young employees, graduates, who can think for themselves, can work in teams, Mm. can go from one project to another seamlessly, and that's what a good Australian education offers compared to some countries in Asia.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, I've been noticing that certain universities have been saying that a graduate degree is not actually required anymore to join large tech companies, and university aside, just as education as a whole, I think that speaks to exactly what you're talking about there, about capacity to to deal with things. Sure.
1: Look, I mean... (laughs) International students come to Australia for many, many motivations. It might be to live in a clean, green environment compared to their home country. Mm. It might be to explore what young people want to explore. So if we're going to really put it in a bottle and try and promote it or sell it, Mm. it's really about giving them a global citizenship experience. And uh, it doesn't matter whether that's done in a face-to-face context, whether it's done through getting to know other young Australians um, and working for an IT startup, there's many different ways in which they can maximise the benefits of studying in a country like Australia.
0: And how are you seeing technology be a benefit to the transformation of education?
1: Absolutely. I think whilst there's still very much a role for face-to-face because we often forget that by bringing students together onto a campus, It's often not what they learn in the lecture theatre or the classroom, it's what they learn over a drink in the student union, um, particularly in my day, that uh, helps the creative juices flow. Um, But in terms of technology, yes, we've heard today from Monash University, from Sonny Yang, uh, who's the Vice President International at Monash, how some of our top universities are really using interactive technology, um, and that's what young students are demanding Mm -hmm. to see that the investment their parents are making in Australia's top universities is being reflected in the latest teaching aid technology Mm -hmm. and interactive um, IT platforms that they can maximise their learning from. So, yeah, it's a real... We have a duty of care at the end of the day because their parents are investing so heavily Mm -hmm. in their future with us to provide the latest Mm -hmm. up-to-date technology that will support the teaching... uh, pedagogical out- outcome.
0: Yeah. Mm. Are you aware of a lot of Australian universities that are regularly going over to China to look at the latest technology? Because I know, for instance, we have Alibaba here talking about the, the massive AI automation systems that are coming, iFlytech, things like that. When I visit China, I find it fundamentally a, a generational leap ahead of Australia from a technology integration perspective. So how does that flow back into how we're educating students about th- yeah. the world, for want of a better term?
1: Well, because we now have 700,000 full-fee-paying international students in Australia, Mm. most of our fairly agile, nimble universities are well aware of the need to try and keep abreast of global trends. So be it Monash Uni, Melbourne Uni, Sydney Uni, UNSW, um, uh, not just a group of eight, but also many others like Macquarie University and Deakin University I know are examples where they're really, as you say, going to countries like China to see how they can adapt Mm. the latest technologies onto their curriculum design back here, um, or they're partnering with offshore universities. So they're doing two plus two programs where Mm -hmm. um, the student might study two years in their home country at a partner university with an Australian university, then doing the other two years of the degree program here in Australia. Mm -hmm. But you can have virtual programs as well. So Monash University have teamed up with University of Warwick Mm -hmm. in the UK, and they have virtual classrooms between UK based students and Australian-based Monash students. So there's, mm. there's many innovative models that are happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what are you most excited about for the future of education in Australia?
1: What I'm most excited about is that Australia has moved in my lifetime from being an Anglo-Saxon outpost in the Asian corner of the world to being seen by our own region, Indo-Pacific region, as being very much a culturally diverse study destination, mm. a culturally diverse um, holiday destination, and yeah. a destination in which they can really learn a lot about global citizenship attributes.
0: Yeah, as as a young person relatively at 36 growing up here I'm so proud to be able to call this as a base because I'm seeing all these international companies go, well, Absolutely. we're not just a testing ground anymore. Let's make our first international office outside of China in Melbourne. Absolutely. And it's a it's just a really exciting time. Yeah. good right. um, what would be your message to Australian education providers out there? If there's one thing you could tell them, what would you say?
1: given that it's only a minority of Australian education providers who have programs involving international students, don't just look at international students as a way to add value financially. Look at them as a way to provide intercultural competencies to your own domestic students. Mm. So it might be a government primary school, and if they could just get three or four international students from different countries to have a study experience in their school community, it's not just going to be beneficial to those foreign kids coming over for a half a year, a year, whatever. It's going to be incredibly beneficial to the Australian kiddies in the playground, mm. in the classroom, to learn from other cultures. Yeah. And we really have to promote that.
0: Okay. And final question. Uh, as we're, we've we been on this boom of international student education and people are, for want of a better term, cashing in on it, mm. are we getting to a saturation point where we're going to hit a plateau and then the growth won't be there anymore? Are people considering that in their business cases?
1: There's no doubt that certain politicians would like to put a cap on... Um, International yeah. students, Pauline Hanson, One Nation Party, okay. Jackie Lambie, they've all pointed to that. However, um, we're still a very vibrant community. Mm. We still have many courses that have very few international students mm. you know, outside of business and commerce. Uh, we need to get more international students into health sciences, into architecture, mm. um, creative industries. So, no, we're not at saturation point. Maybe we are nudging there with certain courses such as business and commerce, mm. but when you look at the whole gamut of curriculum across all of our education institutions, there's plenty of capacity left in some of those growing industries that will really be important in the future, such as aged care and um, health management and those areas.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Philip. Great.